It's your girl, Marisa, and you are listening to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast is sponsored in part by Holy Grail Clothing Company, an American lifestyle brand presented by the Regal Brand Incorporated. Discover high-quality handcrafted essentials from their collections for men, women, and children. Podcast subscribers can take 15% off their entire purchase with discount code HEARDTHAT15. That's H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5 when they shop the virtual retail store at HolyGrailClothingCompany.com. That's HolyGrailClothingCO.com. Holy Grail Clothing Company, wear your crown. I absolutely love doing volunteer service. I have met the most amazing people and some extraordinary kids as well. The cool thing that kids will always ask for when I am volunteering is books, if we have books available for them to take home because their passion and love for reading. There's an amazing author out there by the name of Trevor Romaine who has such cool books for kids that are fun and awesome with simple stories that kids can relate to and parents as well. The Trevor Romaine Company has a diverse collection of social and emotional learning resources to help children and their families become healthier, happier, and more confident. All heard that, listeners. If you go on trevorromaine.com today, you get an exclusive 15% off your complete order by using the code HEARDTHAT, H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5, at trevorromaine.com. Trevor Romaine, no E at the end of Romaine, Dot com today. Another 68 NCAA tournament is in the books. And I just want to know, I just got a question to start off this show. Heard that nation. Did anybody cry when this came on TV? And away we go from Indy. We're ready to run it back for more March Madness. And the whole dance is right here in the great state of Indiana. Basketball is woven into the fabric of this city. Let the madness begin. We've waited two years for this, and here we go. The ball is two, and Yeah. 
I can't play the whole entire thing because I started tearing up as soon as I, I put the soundbite in there. I appreciate you listening. Heard that nation listening in the United States and around the world. One shining moment, as Jim Nance put it in that clip brilliantly, we've been waiting. We waited two years, two years for this moment to come back. And it has 68 teams came, competed, and as well as the women's tournament, they did their thing. It was just absolutely amazing to see the amount of upsets on both sides of the field, but there could only be one winner. Shout out, first of all, to the women's tournament. It was absolutely fun. I was rooting for my uh, the ladies of Michigan Wolverines, who, uh, as far as they went, the high ranking that they got, it was well-deserved. They put that team together. Nas Hillman is going to be an amazing, an amazing star at the next level with the WNBA. But we got down to two teams, Coach Barnes taking the Arizona Wildcats on an unbelievable ride with their star, Ari McDonald. She was just absolutely phenomenal, but they came up short against uh, Coach Tara Vandermeer, legend in her own right. Stanford 54, Arizona 53, Haley Jones 17 points. She was the MVP of the game. This is the second title for the Cardinal. I think it was some like 25, 26, I think 29 year gap uh, since the last one that they won. So uh, shouts out to them for them. And again, Ari McDonald 22 points for the Wildcats. Uh, on paper, if you look at it, the the ladies, the Arizona ladies, they they won the second, third, and fourth. Uh, quarters just that first quarter Stanford just came out like they was they was ready to be it like they was gonna blow them blow them out of the water uh and kudos to these ladies for just absolutely hanging around and making it an, an awesome game um and it, it was great to see somebody else in the tournament that wasn't and no offense please don't take this any offensive way but any the common names that we see in there all the time a UConn a Baylor I mean, Gino Ariyama, Coach Ariyama, and Coach Mulkey in their own right. They're brilliant. They're great. They run great, brilliant organizations. It was great to see, you know, a first-timer in there. Uh, I believe that Coach Barnes is the uh, fifth uh, African-American woman to take a team into the Final Four and then let alone into the championship game. So kudos to her and her team. Uh, it, was, it was a fun watch uh, to see – so many of these different teams. I didn't get to see a whole lot of it because so many things I was looking at. There's so many TVs going on in my house at the same time. So running back and forth <laughs> to different rooms. I was getting my steps in, my running in, my exercise in. Uh, but it, it, it was just, it was this absolutely great tournament uh, for the NCAA on the women's side. And I will say this um, before I dive right into the men's segment and, and all the brackets, I got tons of invites and thank you. Shout out to the people that invited me into their pool. Uh, and I'll get into that in a moment. I hope the NCAA does better with the women's side of things and people can be cruel. Again, this is a fan base show. I do everything, uh, for the love of fans and the love of sports and everything else, but hopefully the NCAA took notice of making it better for the women uh, these ladies that also work their tails off for the sport that they love. And with the pandemic going on and lack of uh, people that can go and watch the games and everybody wearing masks and so social distancing and everything, hopefully the powers that be will see that it is very important now 
that they need to do something about it and make sure that the women are treated fairly just like the men. To see on social media the unfortunate um, swag that the men got, not unfortunate, but the amount of swag that they got versus the women, um, the amount of of you know their their buffet style foods versus what the women got, but the big thing that was talked about and, and called out about that start sparked this conversation was an Oregon player by the name of Sedona Prince, and I hope I said her name right, Sedona Prince, Sedona Prince, that had did a video on TikTok, okay, and she took a picture, she took a video, she did video of the weight room for the women. And I believe it was a set of dumbbells and a yoga mat. And it did a shot of the, where the men work out at. And it was just this whole huge workout station, treadmills, dumbbells, weights, something, I mean, just like a, a pretty much a mini gym and with all the accommodations. And it's amazing how quickly that they moved upon that. But my thing is this, with this going on for a while, and many celebrities and many past players, many, many current players from the NBA to the WNBA, uh, those that were in the position of uh, being in the women's you know, basketball past, uh, you know, uh, past players, they had called them out as well. But to hear that from past players, men and women, coaches, current and, and present Muffet McGraw, um, Tara Vandermeer, um, so, many, so many people that have had that platform for a very long time in their, in their element. Why did it take for a, a single player, a single player on the Oregon Ducks women's basketball team to call out the NCAA when this has been going on for quite some time? And that's very shameful that they you now see this. And there's so much that you can sweep under the rug and, and not and ignore. So I, I hope that they are seriously, now that they got called out and they did release statements and said, you know, we're going to do better and equality. And Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, hopefully, you know, he takes into consideration and it's not just all words, it's not just all smoke, but they're actually going to put some action behind what was... Um, what they got called out for. And so, you know, next year, hoping to see that the women's tournament, that they get the, the training facilities, they get the food, they get the swag, they get the accolades, and as they should. And for those that sit there and say that it's a boring game and that it doesn't matter and everything else, check yourself because I promise you these women would go against you on one-on-one on a basketball court and school you real quick. So all those that want to sit there and throw shade and, and, and hate bombs towards that, you know, I just want to see you go and call out that individual that uh, has worked on a four-year scholarship or now a WNBA player, and you, I want you to challenge them. And you go meet them on the court and see if you can beat them. And when you get defeated by a bunch of points and you look like a fool right there after she has you know, schooled you and such, then delete your account afterwards because uh, it, it's just ridiculous the, the amount of foolishness that people say. Uh, when it comes to this. So, but now get to the men. And I, again, I thank those that invited me to their bracket pool. Uh, my bracket officially shattered last night. 
due to, <laughs> I had three of them left. I had two of them that was Gonzaga and one of them that was for Baylor. My Baylor one had no promise, but my one Gonzaga one, I did have it, right? I had Gonzaga and Baylor in the finals and I was going against the, another person uh, for all the glory and the accolades and the trash talk. And again, for the second time, the same person uh, uh, defeated me as he picked Baylor and uh, his pick was correct. Uh, but Baylor was not to be messed with during that game whatsoever on, on Monday night. Like they just came and they was ready. Like they finished after putting the foot in the Houston in the final four. They, they, they played like they didn't even miss a step whatsoever, defeating uh, Gonzaga 86 to 70. Their first title ever uh, under Coach Drew. Uh, shout out to him. And we took over the, uh, Scott Drew took over the program. Uh, 18 years ago, and it's an 18-year wait, and it's been in the making. And uh, you can put asterisks around it, as well as a women's title if you want to. That's your opinion. But this tournament is a tournament, and it went full speed ahead, and minus, unfortunately, for VCU that had to drop and withdraw due to COVID issues that that was going on with her program. But this this is an outright title. It was well-deserved. They came, and they just they absolutely dominated Gonzaga. People have had their opinions about it. They've said that Gonzaga possibly because UCLA, another team, again, that many people took for granted, myself included, because they played my boys um, in the Elite Eight, my Michigan Wolverines. Still hurts to talk about it. But they were a very deceptive 11 seed. They, I mean, they were in the first four, ladies and gentlemen, if you hopefully weren't living under a rock. They were in the first four, played a Michigan State team, and then came all the way in every single game that you saw them. They just progressively got better. This team believes in Mick Cronin and everything that he's all about, uh, their coach, and it's going to be exciting to see them next year. It's the same thing. It's going to be exciting to see what Gonzaga is going to do. Uh, they are losing like one or two people. I think uh, Corey Kispert is their senior that was a starter, but everybody else, I mean, you got Jalen Suggs, who people are projecting uh, that he may be a one and done and go to the NBA. They hit that crazy shot against UCLA in overtime uh, to get them to that championship game against Baylor. You got Drew Timmy. That is just absolutely outstanding. Uh, in his own right, just Baylor just stifled him. But he tried to carry the team the best that he could, uh, it, and it, it was it was beginning to end Baylor wall to wall again. A couple of times, Gonzaga did try to close a gap. I think they got down to like, like six point deficit. Uh, I think at halftime it was down to ten point deficit, and they made it at least you know try to make it a game and everything else. But Baylor in the second half just came out and shot threes from everywhere. Uh, you, you just you just could not stop them. People were saying they were going to bed at halftime. They turned the game off at halftime. They had other things to do at halftime because they knew exactly that it was over. Uh, Jared Butler, 22 points for Valerie, was the MVP of the game. Jalen Suggs in the losing effort, which it just stuns me. He's a freshman, uh, as talented as he is. We saw a lot of young talents in this tournament that were uh, just freshmen that you know just came out swinging, and he was one of them, 22 points for the Zags. So again, I, this tournament was just absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of brackets broke. I mean, we, we already know many of them that just came out and just surprised everybody. North Texas, shouts out to them. It's just absolutely their, their point guard. Uh, I don't want to mess up his name, but JV on Hamlet, 
uh, that was a no star, how this kid got on, it, it was a no star and, and no one took a look at him. Hopefully at the next level, he gets that opportunity in the NBA to prove himself as he always did, did he completely did in this tournament. I mean, just really amazing. Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts University, shocked the world, beat Ohio State in the first round and, and just kept going. And, and the amount of talent that they have on that team, um, people, people slept on them. And shout out to the whoever does their Twitter account. I mean, the many people that backed them up and they finally got verified. So Oral Roberts University is a ver- basketball is now a, fair, a verified account uh, on Twitter. And uh, who, who else? Uh, just br- bracket after bracket of mine, I just saw getting shot down one at a time. I mean, I already mentioned UCLA. Hey, they, they were just absolutely amazing in their own right. Um, two uh, historical black colleges and universities, Norfolk, Norf- Norfolk State and Texas Southern, shouts out to them and their coaches and their programs, getting out of the first four and, you know, making a run, you know, brief one. Uh, Michigan, I believe we played Norfolk State and then that was, you know, all she wrote with them. But I think it was the first time a MEAC and a SWAC team, and somebody can correct me on, heard that with Marisa, Dot com. That was the first time that, you know, both teams from different conferences were uh, playing and won their uh, games to get to the, uh, the 64 tournament part. So it, it, it was just an overall incredible, incredible uh, tournament. The Big Ten that was supposed to be projected the strongest one. A lot of the teams projected out early, not projected out early. They they. They weren't even they were projected to go far. Illinois being one of them, Ohio State being one of them, um, that that got bounced early. It, it was surprising, and media experts thought that Michigan would be that first team that would be out of the tournament at a number one seed. Didn't happen. Illinois unfortunately fell early to a Loyola Chicago team. I don't know what kind of prayers Sister Jean, at 101 years young, was praying for this team, but. It definitely was effective. It definitely worked. Um, Loyola Chicago just absolutely just manhandled Illinois. And um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be that one, even though I did on social media, because Illinois fans was acting a little bit obnoxious. Some of them, not all of them, because I'm cool with some of the Illinois fans, but some of them was acting obnoxious and holding that they beat Michigan during the regular season and they owned the Big Ten tournament trophy and on and on and on and everything else. Okay, well, the 68 tournament is a whole different caliber trophy. And, you know, they were trying to contest that Michigan shouldn't have the outright title, uh, you know, as Big Ten champions and on and on and on. So some of them Illinois fans that just need to chill and calm down about all that. They got exposed definitely by Loyola Chicago. And so that was a fun team to definitely watch. Uh, Houston, Calvin Sampson, what he's doing with that program it was absolutely great. Just unfortunately, they didn't come prepared against Baylor. Um, it, it was just absolutely amazing all the way through. I think there was two teams that was there for the first time. I think Grand Valley uh, University there for the first time. Or Grand Canyon, sorry, not Grand Valley. Grand Canyon uh, for the first time. They were in the tournament. Abilene Christian. What? Anybody see Texas getting out in the first round against Abilene Christian? Two Texas teams going at it. I mean, 
that's that was already I, I heard the sounds of papers crumbling and going in the trash, being thrown in the fire and everything else when Abilene Christian pulled that stunner against Texas in the first round. Uh, so they they made a little run, but it was just completely fun to see these teams. It's just something that we missed for two years. We missed this for two years. It was fun. It was amazing. Um, it broke a lot of hearts. I'm still upset that I didn't win my pool, but that's okay. I won my other two pools, but I'm very competitive like that. So, but to, again, I am not ashamed to say it. I did tear up with one shining moment hearing the great voice of Luther Vandross singing that song, The Ball Is Tipped. Tear, single tear, at least one coming down my cheek. So it should be fun. And then, of course, you know what happens at the end of the season and the confetti falls, Baylor got the trophy. Of course, you have the experts and opinionators of the media and sports writers that come up with the way too early top 25. And I was reading a couple of them. I read one from the brilliant Andy Katz off of uh, CBS Sports and March Madness. And I also read one from Jeff Borzello from ESPN. His is based off of, you know, the the the, the uh, rankings of how may maybe these teams may be next year a lot of these teams that were going in uh to to next year or this year at this year's tournament there were a lot of young teams uh that were in the tournament some of them may have some people some of their players come back uh so it, and i i was just looking at his list and I just, you know, found it profound of what he put. So his early, this is Jeff Borzello's early, uh, too, way too early, emphasis way, because we in baseball season right now. We in baseball and softball season for college. We in baseball season for the MLB. Shout out to all those that are starting um, their seasons, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he has Gonzaga still on top, then UCLA. UCLA is a young squad. They're a young team. Uh, Johnny Jerzang. Uh, Tiger Campbell, they, I mean, again, they were locked in Juanez Jr. They, they were, they were locked in, they were locked in, they're locked into what coach Cronin has, uh, I believe this is second or third year with UCLA and whatever he's teaching these men, it, it showed and you can't dog that. And then majority of them, if not all of them coming back next year, they're going to be, uh, interesting to watch Purdue at three. Ohio State at four, their coach in that program, Dwayne Washington Jr. And I mean, they they did get exposed by Oral or, or Roberts in the tournament. I mean, just that stunning upset. Uh, but expect them to be fully loaded next year. Then you got Kansas, Maryland. He had Villanova, Alabama. Coach Nate Oates, what he's doing with that program. Ladies and gentlemen, Alabama's not just a football school. And he's proved that in uh, the regular season and the postseason and in this tournament. So be on the lookout for them. Uh, Florida State, he's got Virginia Tech. Baylor, he has dropped low because, in his opinion, you know, of the, the, the players that are not going to be returning and that strength that they don't have. Who knows? Again, way too tired of a schedule. Arkansas, which did pretty well with their run. Uh, then, you know, you got Duke back in it. Hopefully that they're, you know, coming off of ending their season abruptly. I mean, they were in the ACC tournament, abruptly had to end it because of COVID issues that they had on their program, had to withdraw through everything. 
So, of course, this is Coach K. You're going to see him, you know, reload his talent and, you know, can't have two horrible seasons back-to-back. I've never seen it. The times that I've watched this uh, do program, so who knows what could happen. Syracuse, um, shout-out to Coach Bayheim's son, uh, Buddy Bayheim. Buddy Bayheim was just absolutely amazing, outstanding to watch, fun to watch. Um, you know, Syracuse surprised me. I had Monty Moss on my show. We were doing brackets. And talking about who we picked, he had Michigan in his uh, final winner. I had Gonzaga, of course. Both of our brackets shattered. Uh, but he projected to the T to not sleep on Syracuse, and I laughed about that. And he was absolutely right. I, I just I just couldn't believe how far they went. And I took uh, I took for granted uh, Buddy Beheim and how he carried that team. So... Uh, shout out to Monty Moss. I will have him back on the show because we're going to talk about some other sports things. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Jeff has St. Bonaventure in here. And St. Bonaventure didn't, um, they did have a pretty good season. I did see, you know, get to see, I saw a couple of their games, saw some, you know, the highlight reels and everything else. They're a sleeper team in his mind. I saw on Andy Katz's uh, board, he had them in at least the top 30, 31, 32 ish. Uh, but St. Bonaventure is that name that floats around a lot in the past several seasons where you don't want to sleep on them as well. They'll surprise you um, just when you think that they'll be out of it. I mean, LSU uh, did beat them in that first round in the tournament, but uh, they're a surprising team, and they got a young talent, and all of them, majority of them will be back, so it's going to be a fun watch to see them. Then he's got Arizona on there. Then he has my boys at number 17, which is a head-scratcher, and I completely see... His point of view, you know, Isaiah Livers, unfortunately, out with that foot fracture. He's got some decisions to make. Uh, Shondi Brown, uh, Eli Brooks, you know, they're seniors. What are they going to do? Are they going to be eligible, not eligible? But the thing is, Jawan Howard has a huge, amazing talent class that's coming in next year. It's going to be a fun watch. Second year, Coach Howard, AP National Coach of the Year. It's going to be amazing what he is going to do with this team. I cannot wait. I'm excited. All of my amazing blue spirit. I cannot wait. North Carolina, Roy Williams, uh, happy trails to him. I'll get into his accolades later on in the show, but he is uh, done. He retired from his program and uh, Hubert Davis, the alumni and uh, his assistant coach takes over this amazing program. And it's going to be fun to see what Hubert Davis does with the North Carolina Tar Heels. Then you got Kentucky, disappointing season. Season, First time, I believe, in a very long time that I've seen Coach Calipari have a losing season. I believe they were 9-16. and 16. Uh, Very, 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 very young talent. They had uh, some of them transfer out. Uh, it's a lot of question marks surrounding them, but he, he sees that they're going to be somehow back in it. Uh, once majority of this, you know, the, hopefully the COVID lifts and more advance can be allowed back in. And we're, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. Then he rounded out. He got Oregon, Colorado, Michigan State does have some talent coming in as well. Um, think Langford is done and Rocket Watts transferred out. So we'll see with he's got a couple of transfers that did come in. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but it's Tom Izzo. So we'll see what he does with that. And then Belmont, another team, keep your eye on them for this Houston dropping real low on his board because of the fact of, uh, majority of the people that he have on the team that's graduating or moving on, but it's Calvin Sampson. 
So we'll see what he does. And then rounding out the top 25 is West Virginia. Bob Huggins, genius. He'll figure out something. Of course, they'll be back up there as well. I think Andy Katz had UCLA at number one and Michigan number two. Uh, again, Jawan Howard has a great class that's coming in. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an absolute blast to see what he does with this team. And I, I, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to it. So I don't want to jump the gun and be like, oh, my gosh, they're accurate. They're correct. Again, this is a way too, way too early thing. I think he rounded out what he had the rest of the top ten as Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, um, Kansas. He had Purdue, Ohio State, Maryland. Uh, yep, on here, Villanova, Alabama was his top 10. So had a good amount of uh, Big Ten teams in the top 10, even though that Big Ten was an absolute thud in the postseason, which Michigan being the last team eliminating the Elite Eight to a very, very unrated disregard UCLA. So it's going to be fun to see. But, you know, again, we're in baseball softball season um, in, in, in the college ranks and then, you know, the MLB now for – uh, the MLB season now starting. So um, I don't have any projections as far as who is underrated and everything because, I mean, the confetti just fell. People are still sweeping it up from both sides of men's and women's. Um, I do, again, see that UCLA, if none of those, none of those uh, guys do anything, if they don't transfer out, if they are fully dialed into what Coach McCronin is saying, they're going to create a lot of noise uh, in the next season. They're going to. Um, Mark Few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs, they may make some noise as well. 23 seasons he's been with the, the, uh, the team and it's still, you know, not a title yet. And, you know, you just – and then many people I saw it on social media – they, they had posted up the last time Gonzaga felt this heartbreak against UCLA was where the mustache gangster, a.k.a. Adam Morrison, which was really cool on another network that he called, uh, was calling a game. And, and he called the, the game when Jalen Suggs hit that shot to advance them to the championship game, knocking out UCLA. But the, the little video clips I kept seeing people put on their social media walls of Adam Morrison and the devastation that he felt at the end of that UCLA game when they had a huge lead, looked like they were going to run away with it, and UCLA just came back and stormed back and won, and then he looked dejected and laying there on the court. Um, it, it, it's 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 going to be it's going to be it's going to be fun next it's next season. I can't wait for it. I look forward to it. Um, so you know, brackets are done. Put them away. We got to start all over again in the fall and. Uh, Again, it should be fun. Hopefully more fans will be allowed. I definitely want to uh, go and attend a game because it's just absolute blast to be there in person and to be there surrounded by fans and cheering on your team. It's, it's nothing like it in the world. So that's on my bucket list to, to do that again. NFL, all, signs, all kinds of stuff going on in the NFL. The big one being Sam Darnold. He's free, people. He is finally free from the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. He is a Carolina Panther. Carolina Panther fans, y'all should be excited about this because it's going to be uh, interesting, fun development of Sam Darnold. I don't think people need to sleep on him yet. I was listening to Mel Kuyper, and he really gave uh, high accolades to the Carolina Panthers for uh, making this happen. They did give up a, 
um, they gave up a few picks. They gave the Jets will receive a sixth round pick in the 2021 draft coming up soon in next this uh, next several weeks. Um, they get a 2022 second round pick and a fourth pick fourth round pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, the Jets sitting at number two. Uh, it makes sense that you know Darnold was sent over to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Zach Wilson, who is absolutely looking lights out during the it's not a NFL combine because obviously the protocols and everything else. So it's all from their alma maters and where they're at uh, is looking really impressive for um, the Jets to possibly take him at number two with obviously the Jaguars possibly taking uh, um, their pick of their quarterback. Good night. I can't even remember his name. It's going to come back to me from Clemson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Thank you. Trevor Lawrence uh, possibly being the number one pick and everything. Um, a lot of birds chirping and everything about uh, Ohio State's quarterback and, and where he will land at. Um, possibly the number three pick, possibly number 10, possibly. Uh, I just, here's the thing you got to, you got to have, you make sure you have your needs where it's going to be at. Uh, Justin Fields is really good. I don't know what else he needs to prove. I don't know if they need to prove accuracy. I, I, did, I, did, I did watch a few, a little bit of tape on here and hearing comments about it. I don't know if he needs to prove accuracy. I don't know what else he needs to do as far as that. I just found it interesting. I, I was listening to uh, Greeny this morning on Get Up, and um, here's, here's a little bit of what he was discussing when it came about Justin Fields. There's enough good young quarterbacks, and I think Justin Fields has a chance to be really good. We'll get into that more in a minute here. But when you're building a team, Greeny, and you have Sam Darnold on a two-year deal at reasonable money, $23.6 million over two years, and you could add a great young talent like Justin Fields, you want to operate from a position of strength at the quarterback position. We don't know how Sam Darnold's going to turn out. It's been inconsistent at best so far as an NFL player. And if he plays well or Justin Fields plays well, the other one becomes expendable. And if we spin this story forward, Greeny, next year there's a lot of uncertainty about quarterbacks coming out. So if I'm Carolina, let's turn the most important position from a weakness to a strength and add to it. Now, here's the thing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And the, yes, it has Sam, Sam Darnold has had inconsistencies. I mean, he was under a horrendous coach last year. He did deal with injuries. He did did he did deal with, you know, they almost was on that 0-16 yacht along with the Lions and the, the Browns. But they won, you know, a few games towards the end of the season. And now this is an opportunity for Sam Darnold to rebuild Sam Darnold Incorporated. This is an opportunity now to prove, one, that he can still play, two, he can still throw, three, the accuracy is there, four, that he has the hunger and desire to do so, and five, he needs to stay healthy. And they need to build a team that, and, and, and have an offense that's going to do as such. So, I, I, I again, I just see possibly, again, Justin Fields maybe hitting that number three. He, he's not, if he falls out of the top ten, it's going to be very surprising. From, from what I'm seeing of his workouts and, and his, his time, I believe uh, he ran a very good time in, in the 40. Um, he, he had his, his arm strength look good. I, I don't understand why this is being dragged out as far as question marks and concerns and everything. Just, you know, a team that is going to need a quarterback will draft him. It'll be right. And the thing is, in his mind, 
and is in many players that fall in the draft that is expected to be a particular number in the top 10, top 20 or such. We see, I'm speaking for me, but many that I have talked to as well, we see a lot of diamonds in the rough in the second, third, and fourth rounds that make it happen. Just saying. I mean, one of them is on the Tampa Bay Bucks, fell very hard. Mel Kuyper, back in the day, said a lot of words about this particular quarterback and a bunch of titles later. Just saying. So you find those diamonds in the rough. You, I mean, you get your ones that do come in the first, second, third picks in the first round, you know, in that top 10 there, and they will prove it as such. But again, we're seeing, I myself, have seen a you know, good amount of players come through in the later rounds that are not always number one, that are not always in the first round. I mean, Lamar Jackson, the tail end of the first round a few years ago, now he's an MVP, sat for like, what, 9, 10, 11, 12 games, I'm probably wrong on that, and then he got his start, okay? Uh, Patrick Mahomes was a first-round pick. Was it in the, uh, I believe he was in the top 10, sat for 15 games, then got his start, became an MVP. Okay, Aaron Rodgers years back, sat for a bunch of games. Uh, after he was drafted to Green Bay, sat for a bunch of games behind, you know, Hall of Famer Brett Favre, then got his shot. I mean, the rest is history, okay? So it, it, it's... It isn't always about, in my opinion, it isn't always about the number one pick and how much of an impact that they're going to make and right out the gate and they're going to be a stud and all that. That's great if they do. But I've seen that the big picks have came, or the ones that make the biggest impacts on their team have came out of, you know, second, third, fourth rounds, those in the later rounds and everything else because they have something to prove. They have a bigger chip on their shoulder. They're giving a side eye to those teams that passed them over, that they get, didn't get that opportunity, and they're working twice as hard to, to put the haters to bed, to put them to sleep, to shut them up, and to make it happen. So this draft is going to be absolutely fun. It's at the end of April. I can't wait for it. I'm definitely going to have some experts on the show talk about the winners and losers of the, the NFL draft. So it's going to be absolutely fun. Uh, just a few things that I want to say is, is going back to the NCAA and, and the tournament, we did see a couple of coaching changes, few coaching changes. Uh, Shaka Smart is now going to Marquette. Uh, Richard Patino no longer with Minnesota. He's now with New Mexico. Chris Beard is no longer with Texas Tech. Uh, just dropped the Tech part now because he's with the University uh, of Texas. Um, Coach Roy Williams, I mean, what can you say about the man? 903 wins over a, a lustrous career. Um, he is 70 years young. 903 wins, three national titles. He was 15 years at Kansas. I think he took Kansas to the Final Four and then got the opportunity to go and be at UNC for 18 years where he was 485 and 163 uh, overall, 903, 264. Um, he, he, he just... One of the respectable coaches, a coach after coach after coach, whether they were on the team with him uh, or played against him, uh, Coach K saying words about, you know, you can't think of North Carolina when you don't think of Rory Williams and what he's done, all the rivalry games, all the times that they have talked, all the, you know, the students that came and have went and just, just the, the appreciation of what he has brought to, this, to the sport. 
uh, coaches that were former players that are, are you know, players that were uh, former players that are now coaches, should I say, uh, whether it be on his staff or on a different team or everything else. I mean, just the amount of words, you know, take the time to look it up on, you know, ESPN.com or as well as uh, North Carolina's website. It, just the amount of appreciation that people have had that have for him about this Hall of Fame coach. Uh, I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, what he does. And then Hubert Davis taking over, I think it's going to be in an amazing run uh, with him. He's been his assistant for a very long time. So it's going to be fun to see what he does with this, with this team uh, as well. Uh, I forgot to mention Loyola Chicago, Porter Mosner. Uh, he is now over at Oklahoma. So Drew Valentine uh, is now the head coach. He was the assistant there with Loyola Chicago. So I'm sure that Sister Jean now approves. Porter Mosner is now uh, got an opportunity to do something with the Oklahoma Sooners basketball team. Drew Valentine now takes over as the head coach, which is absolutely amazing to see uh, more of these coaches getting an opportunity, more African-American coaches getting an opportunity in the, uh, the college basketball world. And Barry Alvarez, he has stepped down. He is a retired from athletic director. He's been with Wisconsin for a very long time. Uh, I remember him being as a coach, uh, producing that um, Heisman Trophy winner, the Ron Dane, uh, an amazing running back, running back back in the day. And his his right, he coached from 1990 to 2005. Um, 119-72-4 is his record. He has three he has three Big Ten titles, three Rose Bowl victories. He became the athletic director in 2004. Announced his retirement. Uh, so, good luck to, to these gentlemen and and everything and what they have contributed to. Um, not only to basketball, but also to football in the college uh, world. And, and it's been absolutely amazing and, and a thrill to watch both of them. And, you know, cheers, always cheer for my team. But at times it was tough to play against them because they were just brilliant and masterful in their own right. So much success to them and good luck to them in their retirement. I will say this to end this show, and I wrote a blog about it because I'm not going to get my words outright about the amazing event that happened on Sunday, this past Sunday, versus, again, if you, you followed me on HeardThatWithMarisa.com, if you have looked at my blogs or if you have followed me on Facebook and Twitter, I have talked about versus and the and the... I don't see them as battles. Again, I, I see them as celebrations because music connects us, has brought us together, especially this past year of, you know, all uncertainty and crazy. Music somehow uh, has, has just con connected us in a way that is never done before. And when I shout out to Timbaland and shout out to Swiss Beats for putting this wonderful epic event together of the best that have ever done it. Earth, Wind & Fire, The Elements, and the Isley Brothers. Again, I, I don't have words for it. You just have to read it on the blog. They, <laughs> they were absolutely amazing. What was supposed to be, uh, and it was hosted by Steve Harvey, and music by the one and only D-Nice, who in his own right has basically saved us all through music. And that's what I mean by the connection of music and the power of music. He has done a brilliant job. If you're not following him on Instagram, what is wrong with you? Get on Instagram and follow uh, D-Nice, DJ D-Nice. He's on Twitter, but mostly he's on Instagram. 
plays phenomenal sets. The end. But anyways, he was part of that. Steve Harvey hosted in what was supposed to be at least about two, two and a half hours stretched out to close to four hours because Steve Harvey was sharing a lot of stories about, you know, how the influence of influences of Earth, Wind and Fire and Isley Brothers were into him growing up in Chicago and, and different things like that there. And I don't care what people say. They may have said the stories went on too long. Who cares? Steve Harvey got to live out his dream. He got to go and be in the presence of two living legend groups, um, you know, that brought my whole 70s childhood back to me. The power of vinyl, the awesomeness of eight track tapes, the clothes that were made by the two sisters of Polly and Esther. It was absolutely outstanding. If you're able to watch, I believe the rewatch is up on Triller. Download the app Triller and go on Triller.com. Uh, versus is also available on Instagram. Uh, again, I, I can't even put in fathom into words how blessed we were. Uh, I think they broke all records that were previously held by Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle when they had their verses. Um, forgive me for probably butchering whatever the number he said was. I believe he said 49 billion people were watching this uh, uh, amazement. I was talking to a person on social media that was up at 4 a.m. till 4 a.m. in London, England, uh, talking about this amazing event. When you got people that are up way past their bedtime knowing that they have to work the next day but don't care because this is an event of all events, of all events that was happening. And Ron Isley dropped a tidbit saying that he and his brother... Ernie, who are the two uh, members that are left, there, are two, there was two, brother, two other brothers that passed away since, uh, are getting together with Earth, Wind, and Fire for a collaboration. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, heard that nation. Throughout the process, inside of my spirit, I at least fainted about 10 to 12 times, cried about 10, maybe 20 of songs after songs that were just played on uh, Shining Star from Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, Philip Bailey, when he was singing Easy Lover, you know, that duet that he did with the other Phil, Phil Collins, um, uh, Boogie Wonderland. And then you got the Isley Brothers that are just with the soulful, romantic hits. And then their groups go back. I mean, uh, you're going ha- to have to rewatch it. Me talking about it is one thing, but hopefully Triller.com, you should be able to, you know, uh, they should have the rewatch on there for you to enjoy it because... It was, it was a complete celebration. It was almost four hours long. It was worth it. I didn't care. I was a little tired the next day. I didn't care because it was just absolutely worth it. So uh, with that being said, thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you for taking the time to out of your day to just hit, you know, follow and share and like on this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube. I appreciate every single one of you all and the support that I'm continually getting. I, I'm truly grateful for that. And as I always always end the show. Take care and stay safe. Yeah. TikTok, I'm just rolling on the block. Recently, you heard that. Pocket show about to start. Heard that. You should know if entertainment is your goal. You're talking sports and travel, yo. This the hottest pot show. Heard that. She got the shoes. Everything she says is true. If you don't know, now you know. All you ever got to say is. Heard that. Heard that. Heard that. Heard that. Look all you have, you gotta say it.
be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast, on Twitter at Lovely Marisa T, as well as Facebook on a social media page, Heard That With Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support. Everything she says is truth. If you don't know, now you know. All you ever gotta say is, Heard that, heard that, heard that, heard that, heard that. Look, all you ever gotta say is, Heard that, heard that.